Welcome to The Mother-Daughter Journey, a podcast for women working through the tenuous transition of a maturing mother-daughter relationship. I'm Abigail. And I'm Kelly. We know firsthand that the mother-daughter relationship is one of the most fabulous, yet frustrating, relationships you are ever going to have. Even so, we're best friends, business partners, and of course, mother and daughter. So join us as we share our ongoing journey and the lessons we've learned along the way. Hello, it's the mother-daughter journey. That's right. <laughs> Ooh, somebody's a little frisky today. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Who is ready to dive into some codependency tools? Part two. Woo-woo. I know, so many of us. Yeah, codependency. Woo. I know. We actually were doing that in the backyard. We were like, oh, let's go talk about codependency. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we actually do love this shit. I I mean, we love that. I don't know if we love this shit in the sense that like, yeah, codependency is great. But we love talking about it because it's so healing. It's healing for us. And so if it's healing for us, hopefully it's healing for other people as well. Well, and because all of these things that are like taboo and people don't want to look at or admit Mm -hmm. are part of their lives. Just the more you talk about it, the more it's normalized, the less people the less shame the we less, can feel about the less it shame we can feel about it exactly see what i did there yes <laughs> so let's talk about how we broke our codependent cycle mm-hmm. and how we kind of safeguard against falling back into that cycle yes we're going to use the word cycle pattern because unfortunately that's what codependency is in a relationship if if you express codependency is that how you would say that in a relationship it is ritualistic almost not ritualistic but it's it's a a pattern it's It's a a pattern it's it's a habit habit. that's thank you that's the word it's like breaking a habit right when we all know how difficult that can be (laughs) yes and and at times depending on how tired you are or how vulnerable you are at the moment or what's happening in your life it's easy to slip back into old comfortable habits comfortable right Mm-hmm. Although, honestly, the aftermath of codependency isn't comfortable, but you get my drift. It's one of those things where you say it's like, oh, I'm, in, I'm just in my comfort zone, right? Yes. But you're actually so uncomfortable in your comfort zone that the momentary discomfort of working through, of the change, of working through whatever is keeping you in your comfort zone, what you're afraid to work through. Yes. In this case, we're talking about codependency, obviously. The continual discomfort of staying in that comfort zone is worse than the momentary discomfort of working through it and moving beyond it. Wow. I mean, I think it did make sense, but it was that, a lot. I know, it was I a mouthful. I this question a lot, but does that make sense? <laughs> no, it was a mouthful, but I think if you go back and listen to that maybe a second time it'll it'll <laughs> just rewind guys play it again it'll, it'll definitely it'll, make sense it's like when you reread a paragraph three times you're like oh now i get now what you're saying i get it yeah it's like it's like watching lord of the rings yeah exactly a million times you find something new anyway i'm lighting my geek show again but let's so let's talk about this we discussed last week that we were the epitome of the codependent mother-daughter relationship yeah <laughs> and that it was very tricky due to the 
mental illness and the personality disorder and all of the things. All of the things. I mean, if we list all, all of the things, the mental illness, right? The actual experiences that happen because of the mental illness. The fact that we are are both natural people pleasers. Like we want yeah. other, we want to make other people happy, right? We want to help other people. It fuels us. Yep. Which that's a fine line. Yep. Right. I'm just gonna keep saying yep. Yep. <laughs> it has to do with just the way that we were brought up and the fact that we were both empathic. Like all of those things right. for us contributed to our codependent relationship. Correct. And so like most things the first step was acceptance, right? Awareness. 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 And then acceptance. And then acceptance. And yes, there was denial in between those two. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't easy conversations to have. No. And I'm going to be straight out honest. To start off, they were heated. They were were a hot mess, those conversations. Well, and to also be honest, it was hard for us to recognize ourselves. We we were called out. We had to be called out on it. We were called out. Right? Like, we knew that there was dysfunction in the way our relationship was working. Yes. Right? But did we identify it ourselves as codependency? No. No. Our therapist did that. Our therapist did that. Yes. We we knew there was dysfunction. So it's like we're, we're saying, oh, the first step is awareness and recognizing it, but... It's not like that's going to, it's not easy, guys. Right. But but that was the first step, right? Yes. However, we came to the conclusion that codependency was part of our, mm-hmm. you know, part of the things. Then the things. we had to accept it. We had to accept that yes. it was real. I had to accept how my codependent parenting manifested in you. Mm-hmm. And you had to accept that. Some of my actions fueled your codependency as well. Correct. For sure. And that you also were codependent because a lot of the things that you were doing were because you wanted me, like we talked about this before, you wanted me to be proud. You wanted me to be happy. You didn't want me to be disappointed in you. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it was primarily you, but uh, other people in my life as well. Yes. A lot of those, I say bad with air quotes, bad decisions that I made that just fueled your worry and codependency, right? Like in the last episode, you talked about like those things that keep you up at night, they just spin and spin and spin. Right. It fueled that because they weren't healthy decisions for me. They weren't like bad decisions, right? It was like decisions like choosing to go to college. Like that's not an objectively bad decision, but it wasn't the right or healthy decision for me at at the the time. time. But you still let me make it, which goes back to that whole like I needed to fall, right? But... I had to recognize that because I did make those unhealthy decisions for me, naturally, you're going to be even more concerned, more worried that it's going to happen again and more involved. Yeah. yeah um, right? Yes. Yes. I'm just going to say yes with the caveat that those decisions weren't all controllable at the time either right no the decisions the unhealthy decisions i was making mostly was because i was in a spot where i wasn't capable of making healthy decisions right and so i guess the only other thing that i will so there's add not to like that, there's blame associated to it right but just i just i still need like you said own my poo yeah and i just i just like to be careful to always say that right right but also 
the other thing to look at when it comes to our relationship and accepting that what we had to work through, you had to recognize that your falls were falls, right? <laughs> they it weren't little stumbles. They weren't little stumbles. Yeah. And it didn't I fell over just a cliff. result in you, like you paying consequences, so to speak. Like, Right. They were they choices were, that extended beyond myself. Yes, and exactly. And led into my other relationships. Right. Ours included. So anyway, awareness, which was pointed out to us by our therapist and family members in in not so nice manners. My sister might have said it once or twice because she's (laughs) pretty on top of it. So Also acceptance. And then once you've accepted it, figuring out how to work through it. For us, conversation. We had to learn how to, Mm -hmm. the tools to talk about it. So recognizing it and then talking about it in a manner that wasn't going to fuel the fire, that wasn't going to like the explosion that (laughs) we talked about. And at first, the discussions were explosions because they were very emotionally charged and we were labeling emotions as good or bad. Right, we were still doing that. And so it was a very volatile situation. I mean, we weren't like swinging at each other, but we weren't slinging nice words either. I think I threw a pillow in your direction once or twice. Yeah, you probably did, you know. So anyway, we then had to develop the tool of kind of scheduling these conversations, realizing that we might not be in the same space as far as the conversation at the particular time, right? And we right. Talked, we've talked about this before on our travels, how we've used this tool of, hey, I have this thing I want to talk about. Are you in a good spot to talk about it? And if not, being able to kind of put it away or go to your corners, or say, okay, next week we're going to talk about it. Right. Here but are like, a few of the points so that you can each kind of consider it. Prepare. Right? <laughs> Not prepare, but process. Well, yeah, process. process. And, process. And, and I would say emotionally, mentally prepare. Okay. Em- emotionally prepare. I don't like prepare because it feels to me like, you know, I'm, I'm like preparing my... My argument, right? It's not not prepare in that manner. No, not prepare in that manner, but prepare yourself for the energy. Yes, thank you. Prepare yourself energetically for the conversation, I think, is what I'm trying to say. I agree with that. So that was one tool that we really leaned on heavy as we were breaking Mm -hmm. the cycle. Conversation and respecting the boundaries of that conversation. Mm -hmm. And it was very helpful. I mean, this doesn't work for everybody, but we've mentioned in the past that you and I had dual therapy meetings, right? Yes. So a lot of the times for us, it was nice because we already had these scheduled sessions. So we already had these dates and times where it's like, well, we're going to be sitting down with a third objective party to talk about this in the space together. So it allowed us to be able to kind of put things away until then and process on our own and then bring it to that discussion. Right. That was a tool that we needed. We were working through mental illness and shame and all those things. And we needed the therapist to kind of guide us through that conversation. And I think for a bit of accountability too, because if you and I, I mean, let's face it, if you and I had said, okay, well, we're going to talk about this next Tuesday. We're going to pick up the phone and at doing at 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever. It would have been so much easier for one or both of us to bail. Yes, correct. Because let's, again, like who, let's face like it. Who wants to talk who about Who wants it. to talk, right? Who wants to have those conversations? Exactly. So having that, you know, accountability, that space and objective third party was a big piece of it for it, us. It was. And it also held us accountable to 
putting it away at the mm-hmm. end of the session. Yes, good point. Right? right? We, we couldn't take it with us. It's like we spent five minutes, ten minutes at the end, depending on how intense the conversation was. In our separate how corners. Many, how many <laughs> tissues we needed. <laughs> yep. And we kind of took a breath. Or 50. Acknowledged our feelings. Mm-hmm. Acknowledged that. Acknowledged each other's feelings. Yes. And that the intention is never to hurt each other. Like nope. we love each other beyond belief. And so mm-hmm. the intention of the session was not to cause you pain, but to get to a space of where we weren't repeating the same patterns. Exactly. And so at first, we definitely needed that third party. That's mm-hmm. where we were at. I mean, for us, our relationship was so deeply enmeshed in the codependency that it was hard without it. Yes, correct. So. And so that was one of our tools. Conversation. We started off with, like you said, a therapist. We needed that third party to help us weave through all of it. And then being able to put the discussions away, like truly put them away, not yeah. carry any emotional hangover into the next day, the next conversation. And at the time, we were living in the same house. So it could at times be very difficult. Right. But if we weren't living in the same house and we allowed the, I'm just going to keep calling it the emotional hangover, to affect our next conversations. It would have been with somebody else. Well, no, I'm saying our next conversation. So say you're in a different place at that time, your own house, my house, and we have the conversation. But then we carry the emotional hangover, the emotions, the, The the weight of it into our next interaction mm-hmm. so that it's like, oh my gosh, well, it's like every time I talk to her, this is what I'm going to have to feel. Well, those interactions are just naturally going to decrease. Right. Right. If you're carrying it over into each interaction, the interactions are going to just naturally decrease. Because you're not going to want to feel that way. Exactly. And so instead of working towards a fix and a better relationship, if you're carrying it over, that you're really just you're two steps forward or even one step forward, two steps back. I was going to say, yeah, probably more like that. You're getting closer to the resentment than you are to the yes harmony. And so that was definitely key to us working through it. As you said that, though, because I misunderstood what you were saying at first, it actually brought up another point of if we had been in separate spaces when we had these conversations and we carried it with us, not just to our next interaction, but to if my next interaction with another human being was somebody at work or it was with my boyfriend, if we carried that with us, if we didn't practice putting it away... It would affect affect other relationships. Well, I mean, and this is part of the reason why we say we believe that the mother-daughter relationship has the power to change our world. Because Mm -hmm. if you can learn how to do it with your mother or your daughter, you can learn how to do it with anybody. Right. Not that you're going to have moments where you're just, you know, having a bad day, you just got really bad news or you stubbed your toe. Like, there's going to be moments where... Where you're human? We're human. (gasps) Oh, my God. Imagine that. the more you (laughs) practice it, the easier it gets. Yes. And if you can do it with your own child or your own mother, where those failings are so intertwined just naturally, mm-hmm. right? Then it's going to affect your entire world and eventually our entire world if we're all operating from this kind of level of understanding. Right. right? The trickle, the ripple effect the doesn't ripple. just work generationally and negative stuff, but it works outwardly. I'm- right. And so what were our next steps? So now we have defined that we had a codependent relationship. We've accepted that we've had the codependent yep. relationship. We started t- 
talking about it, owning our poo, Mm -hmm. that was really huge. And so I think it's important to acknowledge then that once we started recognizing and owning our poo and accepting it, with acceptance, we had to practice a lot of compassion. And forgiveness. And forgiveness. And that was work that we had to do kind of individually, right? Correct. So compassion and forgiveness, I'm going to say it again, not just for the other party, but for ourselves. We were talking about earlier, there were decisions I made that I had to own that negatively affected K-Dog over here. And not in the sense, right? So we're talking about that fine line as well. Not in the sense that it negatively affected her. Like what I wanted. Like because it wasn't what she wanted or whatever. Or because I was married to a certain way of you living or behaving. Right. So we're not talking because I was trying to please her and because of the codependency, but it affected her negatively, like financially and stuff. Financially and... It affected her time. other relationships and time. There were, they were disrespectful decisions. And I had to own that. Yes. And I had to forgive myself and give myself some grace because of the fact that even if I had been in a healthy spot when I made these decisions, like we're still human, right? Like we make yes. bad decisions. Yes. But especially since I was in an unhealthy spot when I made these choices, like I needed to forgive myself. Yes. And on the other side of that coin, I needed to, I don't know if forgive is the right word because I never felt like I needed to forgive her, so to speak. But again, I needed to put it away. Let it when go. It, let it go. When it comes to working through the codependency and trying to release that, I had to let go of, well, this is like historical data. I was going to, I was just going to say, you would say to me a lot, well, history shows, the historical data shows that this is what you would do. Yes. And I had to accept it. Well, like, yeah, that's fair. In the past, this is the decision I would have made. And we had to work through that. It was a continued practice of trust, Mm -hmm. compassion, and forgiveness and and letting go. Yeah. And this continued work with rinse and repeat, these tools eventually got us to a place of where I can say at the moment is very minimal. I don't even know if I would say we have any kind of, I mean, even in business now, we're very kind of accepting with the flow. Right, right, because that was a whole other aspect right. of the codependency was bleeding into the business, and yeah, so it was... Well, and just different work schedules. I mean, we had yeah. a whole thing where I had a hard time breaking out of my employee mode, like we mm-hmm. should be working from eight to whatever, right? Right, so, and I was actually, still am, but I was working at night, right? Yes, so... Waiting and bartending, and so there was like this disagreement of, I'm not going to get up and work at eight o'clock in the morning. And you're like, but you have to. That's when we do work. Yes. So there's a lot of just maneuvering. That's just a small type of it. That's just a tidbit. But that's part of our codependent nature. My work counts on your work. It didn't. It didn't. (laughs) But that was, it was a pattern that carried over. Mm Mm-hmm into our business because starting a business and working on your own thing and creating and putting yourself out there is not for the faint of heart no and and we leaned into the codependency a little bit at the beginning we definitely did yeah because we were scared for sure i (laughs) funny story about that actually is we had kind of he was kind of like our a networking coach free coach guy he was he's great and he taught us how to network and there were times where he'd be like, okay, so the next time you come to one of my networking events, I challenge you to to stay separated and talk to two different people <laughs> well, or, or talk to different people, right? First of all, I'm just going to jump. No, it wasn't. It was Dave? That's, that, it was Dave. That's oh. why I'm going to jump in. I'm going to say he's 
was and still currently okay, is one of our coaches. It. Batman. Batman. Exactly. Okay. He, we would put up the bat signal when we needed him to swoop in. Even he recognized Even, our codependency. Exactly. Even he recognized it at first. We'd get to a networking oh, event and he would be like, okay, break. Yeah. <laughs> Go talk to different people. You, do you not can do, do it. You don't have to talk to people together. I mean, and that was also anxiety and other it things, right? We're both a little socially awkward. Well, no, we're not. We're socially anxious. There's a difference between yeah, socially yeah. awkward. And- Which, again, yes. another reason why we're so prone to codependency, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's funny. So, yeah. And so the last, I think, after we kind of did all of this to get back on track to... To get off our tangent of Batman. <laughs> and to get back on track to like how we broke this habit and how we still managed to keep the habit broken and not slide back into old patterns boundaries boundaries and work on self right and self-work right so once we recognized it we went through a little denial we accepted it we process again and forgive ourselves and be compassionate and forgive the other and learn how to have productive conversations around the subject around the subject and with all of that self-work came okay what is it that i actually need from this relationship need is not a is not the word i would use want Um, For it to be healthy for me. How do I want to phrase that? Because that is, that was the next, like the last step. Well, yes. No, I guess need is the right word because as we were working through it. We need to separate. Let let me put it this way. And this, I think this is a good way to explain it because it's one of the things that we are working towards with our programs, right? When you're talking about your child going away to college. So you have your senior year and then the next year is college. They're moving out of the house for the majority of kids, right? Maybe, I don't know what the stats are, but... I was going to say, I think we live with you longer and longer now. (laughs) Right, but you do go to college and kids want to do their own thing. They don't want their parents to be knowing every little thing that they're doing. They don't want them involved in all the decisions. They're free to some extent. Right. And they're going to make bad decisions. And you're going to make bad decisions. They're human and that's what you do when you go to college. Some of the decisions you make are just not, you know, we all have stories, right? We all have stories about... (laughs) Of how I learned. Of stuff we did when we were in our, you know, 18 to 25. School of life, man. Harsh lessons. Exactly. But But your parents have been there watching and, you know, protecting and part of your life for 18 years. You've been there. You've been in their house Mm -hmm. for 18 years. Even if you didn't talk, they knew you were in bed at night, right? Right. And so having a discussion about what is going to make the transition more comfortable for them and for you. Yes. Really respecting that decision, like establish it before you go, have the conversation, learn how to have conversations, I guess, not just that conversation, but what kind of things are acceptable to discuss? Like, right. what can you ask me? What shouldn't you ask me? What should I share? What shouldn't I share? True, right? Right? Because there are some things, like, like I'm sorry, guys. Like, I grade, don't want to know that. Well, right? I'm, I'm just saying that grades, like, especially if your parents are paying for college or they're giving you money, like, grades, assignments, you know, doing the work, those kind of questions in my mind, I think, are on the table. It's how you ask the questions, though. It's definitely so it's, how you ask the questions. It's instead of, are you going to class, it's, how are your classes? What's Correct. your favorite one? Yes. What do you like about them so far? What don't you like? What teachers do? It's asking about the class. It's yes. asking about the details. It's not, are you doing the thing? Are you in any, you used to like to sing in high school. Are you doing acapella? Or like, oh, what kind of right. clubs are you in? Like for you, it was zombies and something. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? <laughs> At Hofstra University, it was called Hofstra versus zombies. I'm sure there okay. are different 
it was basically a giant week-long game of tag, but it started with like five zombies and then everybody else was human. And it was throughout the whole campus and there were Nerf guns included and it was just... It was one of those things that made a parent go, hmm. It was fun, guys. It was really fun. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, yes, asking about those kind of things. And having the conversation before, I just still want to be involved in your life. Right. And understand that they're not trying to control you by being involved in your life. They just want to be involved in your life. Exactly. And you are within your right to say, this is what I need. I'm not going to talk to you every night or let's schedule a time to talk as opposed to expecting me to call you every day at the same time. Right. Again, I'm not labeling any of this as good or bad, and each relationship is a snowflake. It's a snowflake, <laughs> Right? But be able to work it out before you go so there's not resentful feelings or, oh, shit, mom's calling me again, or, hey, is my kid dead after a Saturday night rager because right. like, I haven't heard from them in two weeks. Right, so let's, for instance, like you and Emily, for instance, you always, she, I was not a good texter, so it didn't work for us, but you always said, good night, I love you texted it i did every night every night and she always responded well she responded or one of her friends did if she was too drunk to do it (laughs) exactly i was gonna say she always even her friends knew that that was a thing like that was for your relationship but i'm safe i love you too yes a bit of security that was a just i know that you're not like you said dead in a ditch ditch. somewhere and and so she even knew that if she was unable to text it herself but she was safe she would have her friends do it yes so that you weren't sitting up going oh my god oh my god oh my god right but to go back to every relationship as a snowflake that worked for you and emily Yes. It didn't work for us because I don't respond that way to text. I just, I don't. I'm terrible with it. She is. <laughs> terrible with it. And so if, if we were trying to have our relationship look the same or create the same kind of security, security, the boundaries for security, right? Like what we're talking about, it would have just, it did actually because we didn't recognize that we needed different tactics to stay, yeah, to was, stay in touch, right? It did feed the codependency. It was difficult. It made it difficult because you would then internalize that and be like, oh, something's wrong. She's spiraling or, right? Yes. Point is, is we didn't have a tool. We hadn't discussed it. We didn't, we didn't have it. Our relationship was still very entrenched in codependency. Mm -hmm. And what I needed and expected was unrealistic. And what she was able to provide was also unrealistic. Right. There was nothing working about the situation for either one. Right. What would have been, I almost said what we should have done, but uh, what would have been better for our relationship is if we just said, okay, every Sunday at from 11 to 12, we're going to get on the phone or we're going to get on a Zoom and catch or up. Or a 10-minute FaceTime at this particular time once a week. Right. That would have been better for us. And we did eventually. We do that's we do, do that now. We do that much. now. And we did eventually get to that point towards the end of your time at Hofstra. Right. Right. We did eventually get there. But that was part of our journey. That's what we're mm-hmm. talking about. That is a tool that would have been really helpful for us. Then we didn't have it. We do now. We do now. I'm glad that you used that example to kind of talk about how once you recognize and go through all of the, okay, yes, codependency is is in our relationship, accept, forgive, blah, blah, blah. The next step is, okay, we need to create boundaries in the relationship that work 
for the relationship and we need to identify what is codependent and what's not. Uh, So I'm going to say this. We need to find a common ground to work through that where both parties' feelings are recognized. Yes. And respected. Yes. Right? There's going to be compromise. There is. As you're working that out. For sure. And, you know, when things will change, you'll get more comfortable with it as you move through the codependent cycle. But the thing to remember is most important is no one's feelings is more important than the other. Or any more valid. Or any more valid. So my need to know that she was safe in her bed every night was a me problem, right? Mm -hmm. It was something I needed to work on for me. The fact that I was uncomfortable with you being at college and me not knowing that you were in your room at a specific time or not knowing because I hadn't talked to you in a few days. Like that was something I had to work through. That was something that was my work to have is all I'm saying. The fact that you wanted to be more independent and you didn't want to have to have those check-ins because I was uncomfortable with that doesn't mean... It had to be my way, that your feelings shouldn't be respected. Right. That we didn't have to compromise to come to something that was a little bit of a give and take for both of us. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha, girl. So I think we got our tools out there. (laughs) I'd say so. And hopefully by kind of sharing our process of working through this, it'll help you folks if if you do experience codependency in your relationship. Yeah. I mean, you're not alone. Most of us do. We all have to work through it. There's a letting go process for sure. And each relationship is a snowflake. And Mm -hmm. so there's no one way to handle it. But those are definitely some solid tools to get through the codependent cycle. The things to remember. Conversation. Conversation. Compassion. Remove ego from it. And then own your poo. Not from a shame standpoint, but from a, I need to recognize this so that I can, when you know better, you can do better. Right. Just like mushrooms. Let's grow through our shit. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) I have a keychain that says that. (laughs) We're going to end it with that, folks. See you next time. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on our journey today. If you liked what you heard and are looking for more, make sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow us on social media. See you next time.